Welcome to Cinebabble, episode 44. Uh, I am your host, Ken, and as always, I am joined by intrepid world reporter, my co-host, Clint. Clint, you've just gotten in from Tokyo. How's it going? <laughs> I'm still intrepid. That's cool. I'm still yeah, traveling yeah. the world, apparently. It's my favorite word for you. Oh, okay. It really is. I mean, it's like the most untrue thing, currently. <laughs> like, I come from like three blocks down, and well, that's about as far as I've gone. Yeah. Well, you know. Uh, I, I like the people to believe you're more exciting. Somewhere out there, somebody <laughs> is now just realizing, like, wait, he's not a world traveler? <laughs> no, Clint doesn't fly in just to, to record a podcast. Yeah, I just came uh, in from Japan today. So the other week, uh, you know, more more medical fun, Clint. Oh, great. I, I had told you uh, that, you know, I was worried I might pass out mm-hmm. in the middle of, uh, of the podcast, but that never happened. Yeah. Well, the other night, we went to uh, this local restaurant, uh, Gibbles, which uh, for those of you who don't live in our area, it's it's exactly the kind of restaurant you would think. Uh, <laughs> the word gibbles, and imagine that place serving food. Yeah, yep. yep. So we uh, we went to this place with two other couples, um, and as soon as we sat down at the table, I had this back pain spike, and I was like, "Oh man, I'm going to get sick." And I thought, you know, flu kind of sick. <laughs> yeah. So I go to the bathroom, and I'm leaning on the sink, and then it occurs to me, "Oh no, I'm I am passing out." Oh no, this is. This on your is, own in the bathroom? Yeah, just on my own, by myself, in a restaurant <laughs> bathroom, little country restaurant. I'm like, oh, here it comes. And I waited for a moment of stability, and I'm like, well, I'm going to sit down before I fall. Mm-hmm. And so I got back against the wall, and then I was out. Uh-huh. And then suddenly somebody's checking on me, and I'm like, can you can you go get my wife? <laughs> and then I went out again, and then my wife came in, and my back is screaming. Uh, and it's the whole restaurant knows about this. Uh, yeah. You know, the employees are are checking on me later and all this stuff. Well, my wife comes in. This mm-hmm. is the point of the story. My wife comes in and and doesn't like, oh, are you okay? Or, or tend to me or anything. Uh-huh. She, every cell in her body freaks out that I am sitting on a bathroom floor, <laughs> a public bathroom floor. And and she's grabbing my arm. She's like, you have to get up. Let's wash your hands and, and, and get you out and and let's get you to the table and get mm-hmm. some, you know, a drink in you or something. You know, let's get some Coke or, or whatever. And I'm like, you you don't I, – my legs are not working. My arms are – and she's like, you have to get off this floor. And I'm like, Rachel. This is putting a very, I, like, vivid image in my head. Good. Yeah, yeah. Good. Well, the whole time uh, my son knows this is happening, he apparently thinks I'm, like, bathroom bathrooming. And in his world, bathroom bathrooming means I'm completely naked. Uh-huh. So he's out there thinking that people – are helping me naked off the floor. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I just remember in my passing out stupor being so mad that all my wife cared about <laughs> yeah. was that I was on a dirty floor. This and it wasn't even. It was yeah. It, you've been there. It's right. a nice restaurant. It's not dirty, uh, you know. But she was just you know you you gotta you gotta you gotta get up. I'm like all right, all right. Yeah, for a place so, named Gibbles, they have a nice bathroom. They floor. really do. Yeah. They really do. It would have been so, great if you just <laughs> passed out, woke up, nobody realized, and you just go out like nothing happened. Just go back after seven minutes. <laughs> I don't know. It was it was the weirdest thing because I was sitting there and I was just like, "There's nothing that's going to work. I am not standing up uh-huh. on my own." Yeah. Um, and it just, uh, you know, uh, pain. Pain is bad, Clint. <laughs> Does weird things to your body. Well, I'm glad you made it out of the bathroom floor, I, off I the did. floor. Yeah, I did, and I'm here to podcast. I'm feeling great. So, Clint, what you've been watching this week? Watching, watching about. This week, um, 
I, well, I have been watching a lot of stuff recently. I've been catching up on some things that you've recommended and I've, um, bunch of, I guess a bunch of stuff just dropped at like new seasons mm-hmm. of shows that I've been like, uh, really excited about. Um, but the first thing I want to talk about is there's a new documentary series that came out on, um, Disney plus and it's called the Beatles get back. It's, um, Peter Jackson made this documentary. Well, he compiled all this. He had all this documentary footage from when they were making, um, oh, what was it? Um, Let It Be? Oh, Let It Be. In the 1969 oh, or something? Yeah, it was like 69 when they were making it. And then the the album came out in 70 or the documentary came out in 70. Mm-hmm. And so there was, there was like 50 some hours of documentary footage, like 150 hours of audio. And it was just like sitting on the shelf. Like they had it like archived. And um, so they let Peter Jackson have all this footage and he made this nine-hour documentary. It's nine hours? It's nine hours. There's oh, Well, wow. rough almost nine hours. There's three okay. parts and the first two are nearly three hours and the third one is like two and a half hours. Okay. And My wife has really wanted us to watch it. That's We didn't know it was nine hours, yeah. but we've, we've been circling it for quite a while. We were waiting for Christmas break to kind of tackle it. That's what I did over Thanksgiving break okay. um, my, when I was off work. And... Um, Man, Peter Jackson is like on a roll with documentaries. Uh, like he just he took like all the footage and cleaned it up like he did for the World War One documentary, mm-hmm. and he found like he went through and he with all the audio and like found and kind of pieced in the mi- missing pieces and he would have like kind of footage that went along with it, but what didn't match up perfectly, but like just kind of filling in those spots, yeah. and he. Um, he kind of retold the story of how That's the Beatles, so awesome. like the end of the Beatles. And it wasn't as contentious and like ugly as like it kind of like history has kind of made it out to be. It was more like this kind of soft whimper of a thing where like they they just kind of came to the end of the road with it. And, and they realized it. And, and like they were just like because they were struggling with this, this mm. um, record making it. And mm-hmm. they kind of were talking about like other things they wanted to do. And they, like, in, like, the history books of it, like, they kind of seemed like they were at each other's throats. And, oh, yeah, like, Yoko Ono fights. came in and there was yeah. a giant conflict. And, and, and they and it completely, like, she is so benign. Hmm. She's there the entire time, but just sitting there. She's sitting there reading and, like, knitting and um, hmm. and just hanging out. And, like, they have no problem with her. They, she's it not com- the Machiavellian villain. No, that- they com- they, it comes up at one point um, where Paul is talking about her. Um, and like makes a joke about like, oh, well, um, Yoko, like just like the end of the Beatles is Yoko sitting on an amp. And like, that's like, they're just talking about their relationship and like, like he loves her, like saying like, yeah, he loves her and like, and good for him. Like they, they're very happy together, but, Hmm. um, it's very interesting, and mm-hmm. like, and it paints it more as like, yeah, they're still friends. They just they, people that grew apart. They grew apart. They have things they want to do, mm-hmm. and um, and it's more of a joyous thing. Like, it's nine hours of them in the studio, just like being friends, playing other other bands' 
songs, cover mm-hmm. songs, working on their songs. Now, is it just divided into multiple episodes, or is it one large chunk? It's three parts. So okay. it's like th- like the first one's almost three hours, the second one's almost so three hours. So each one's feature length. Yeah, and it kind of like different periods in that. Like, So it's the first part is they're at this like um, giant um, movie set like mm-hmm. studio, and like they were first going to do it there because they had all these plans. They were going to do it as this big TV production, and then they were going to have people come in and then they were going to release the album and all this stuff. And like, it just slowly all falls apart Mm. and it just becomes, um, but not like in a sad way. It's just like, they don't know what they want to do with it. And they start to realize there's something bigger. There's something like actually like smaller, like in, because they, they want it to feel like when they first started, Mm. they don't want it to feel like this big thing. They want to feel like that Mm. when they first get, we're making music together. I'll have to, I I need to check it out. Like I said, we've been really interested in it. And I was just so impressed with, um, they shall not grow old, Mm -hmm. which was the world war one documentary he did just because of the technical challenges, but really it was the the art of piecing together the narrative and the story. And um, he he did a similar thing to, I think, what you're describing with that one where yeah. he was he was resetting expectations and he was uh, really when it came to look at how young these guys were mm-hmm. and, and look at how much um, just violence, uh, you know, and destruction that this war left in its wake. And it really recontextualized World War One when I watched it. And it sounds like that's what you're describing with the end of the Beatles, that it just reframes something that you think you always knew, but it's it's different. Right. And I mean, I'm sure it's them like describing the events like, af- like at that time. Mm-hmm. And it's so much, maybe it in emotionally inside, they were feeling the things that they were describing. But when you actually go back and view it, it's like, no, like you guys were having a good time, laughing, making, yeah. having fun. And like, and you, you made a ama- this amazing album together. Yeah. And, um, and it's, and it's also really interesting just seeing like, it makes you see them as people, like That's not cool. these people, like these idols that yeah. you we've know them as, like that. The, and it makes you see them struggling and to write these songs, mm-hmm. like very. Um, and like I, I, I've been in bands and uh, a musician, and it made me really feel that experience. Like mm-hmm. it's boring, it's um, hard, and you get into arguments about things because everybody has a stake in it. And uh, and it just made it feel very human. Mm. And uh, okay. I highly recommend, even if you aren't, the, like I wouldn't say I'm the biggest Beatles fan. Like I mm-hmm. really appreciate them and enjoy the music. But j- j- even coming in at that angle, like I, I love this documentary. Okay. It's amazing. Okay. I look uh, forward to it. Yeah, I, I highly recommend it. Okay. Um, the next thing is um, there, I don't think I've talked about this show, but this little British show, um, that I think I found when during like maybe quarantine or mm-hmm. just like um, thereafter, a little bit thereafter. But um, it's called Stathlet's Flats. <laughs> Where is what's it on? It's on HBO Max. Um, it's a British show. And what's it called again? Stath Let's Flats. So Stath <laughs> is the main character, and Letting okay. Flats is the basically like a real estate agent in in Britain. Okay, and so he works for Stath works for his family owned company where they go and like show people apartments, and um, and he is the most like inept human being. Like this since Michael Scott from The Oof. Office, like awkward and like 
you kind of hate this guy, but also there's something really sweet and endearing about him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the funny, like I've watched through this thing like four times. But anyway, why I'm bringing it up now, the new season just came out okay. and popped up. How many up. seasons are there? There's three seasons. There are like six episodes. Oh, okay. So it's is it like a half an hour each episode? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. It's a okay. super quick watch. Okay. Um, and, and say the title his, again. Okay, his name is— Real slow for me. His name is Stath. S-T-A-T-H. Stath. Stath. Let's. Let's. L-E-T-T-S. Yes, Flats. Flats. Yeah. F-L-A-T-S. yeah. That's a terrible title. <laughs> no, it's the best once you see it. Okay, because uh, I would I would literally never watch that based on the uh, title. So the only reason I okay. did because um, the actor who plays Stath um, is um, Jamie Demetrio. Okay, what um, was he in? He was also on Fleabag as an, a character. Okay, uh, do you remember the guy with the buck teeth? Yep, yep. yep. I know. As soon as you said Fleabag, yeah, I and exactly um, who you're talking about. Natasha Demetrio, who is his real life sister, and she plays. Um, uh, I think Nadia on the What We Do in the Shadows series. Okay, um, which I still, <laughs> I know. But equally is hilarious. And they okay. play a sister and brother in the show. And um, she's also completely, like, ridiculously, like, can, has no life skills. Like, she wants to be a dancer and, okay. like, musician, but she's horrible, um, but sweet. And uh, it's serious. Like, it's one of the funniest shows. Okay. Um, but the reason I started watching it was they he was on Seth Meyers and they were talking about it and he was promoting it and they showed a clip and I was like, I, I got to watch this. It, it's amazing. Well, you did not let me down with Ted Lasso. <laughs> so I feel like I, I now have to check out. Give it a chance. Like, like yeah. I think like watch the first three episodes. Mm hmm. And it'll, it just completely paints an okay. amazing picture of what right. the show ends up being. Staff lets flats. Yeah. Man, it, it's hard to say. <laughs> it's okay. so good. Okay. One th- okay, so that was basically the end of what I had planned to talk about. But okay. I also watched um, Shang-Chi. Ah, so, okay. Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi. Shang. Oh, Shang-Chi. Shang with a G. Oh, okay. They, anyway. Well, I came back from Japan, not China. What? <laughs> That's, Apparently. that's a good callback. Uh, what would you what'd you think of uh, uh, Shang-Chi? <laughs> well, I don't think it did any favors for me as far mm-hmm. as my love for um, for the Marvel Universe at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I it kind of, like I had been so distant from that world for a little while. Mm-hmm. Like it kind of um, was interesting revisiting. And it made me think of like it kind of put a new picture, like um, spin on why I was having issues with it. In mm-hmm. this one, it just felt so flat to me, and and made me realize like all of them are like most part for the most part they're all filmed so like flatly, like there's they're so glossy, and mm-hmm. um, this one especially there is so much like computer. Like um, this, this one, I think it was especially apparent because the, especially the back half of the film is filmed during quarantine. Yeah, I figured it and had. To so do they were running into their original plans for that that large conflict yeah. at the end was really upended. Yeah. by COVID, mm-hmm. and suddenly they're having to figure out how to reblock that, and I, I think that really hindered. Uh, and I, I don't. I know what you're saying. It's there's there's a depth issue 
cinema yeah, everything uh, with is the cinematography. Lit. Everything is yes. lit the same. So everything's perfectly lit. So there's no depth. Yeah. And I I'm, could I definitely could point out a couple scenes what you're talking about yeah. where it's like clearly they were just trying to work around some technical issues not being together. I'm really interested to see uh, how you react to Eternals and Hawkeye because Eternals and Hawkeye both in different ways really um, do away with that and and try to um, – it's just it's it's a very different look. I don't know if the movies are or the movie is more successful as far as the Eternals, but it's just the look is very different than uh, what what the typical fully lit uh, Marvel world is. Yeah, um, I've I, watched I the first two episodes of, of Hawkeye. Uh, yeah, I have. Okay. Um, but my other issue, well, like I I did enjoy some parts of the second half with like the kind of the mythical Chinese. Mm-hmm. Um, landscape and the creatures and all that, that was fun too. But it was, I mean, it was just kind of um, in the style it was done. It just didn't have much life to it. But one of the things like that bothered me too is like, and I'm not saying it's just this movie, but I think it's a problem with movies in general right now is um, a movie that's like so based on the action and it's like, especially around like, um, like the kung fu and mm-hmm. that that kind of action style is everything is so enhanced with computers at this point that mm-hmm. it kind of takes the weight away from it. And so I, there's points where I'm, I'm amazed by some of the fighting, but also then it goes too far where like somebody's flung across the room yeah. and or doing some acrobatic thing that's clearly not real. And so it just takes all the weight away from it. So I just, my emotional investment is not there anymore. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I know exactly what you mean. Um, Shang Chi was a, a tough one for me because there was there were some things I just really enjoyed. Yeah, uh, and and there were just other things that that were so hindering it that uh, I I I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I feel it. I feel it. It I was a kind of a nice way to spend a lazy Sunday yeah. on the couch, yeah. but I don't know. I, I it didn't help me in my. Uh, yeah my Marvel adventures, like how I'm feeling about them. Okay. So yeah, what you've been watching about. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of Marvel, I knew I had read reviews. I knew what to expect, but uh, I decided to rent uh, just last night at midnight, uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. (laughs) Did you see the first Venom? Unfortunately, I saw it in the theater with you. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We did not enjoy the first Venom. Uh, I believe we described the first Venom in the same way we described the 90s Spawn movie, where it just it felt very antiquated and very strange and very uh, – it really struggled with tone. Mm-hmm. Let There Be Carnage mm-hmm. does not fix this problem. No. <laughs> it, it's uh, – this this movie, um, I, I don't even want to get into it that much. I, I was just – I was not amused. I was disappointed. Yeah. And it and it was I think my disappointment came because uh when they announced that Andy Circus was going to be directing, I thought, okay, this this will be interesting. I want to see what he does. Yeah. And what voice he brings to uh, you know, a, a comic book world. Mm-hmm. It felt exactly like the first Venom movie. I would have mm-hmm. never known somebody else had directed. Um it's it's a little more cohesive than the first one. Um, I think the action has better flow and things like that. But, 
man, the leaps in logic and and the the way that the plot is strung together yeah. is, is really, really fragile. <laughs> I mean, just my goodness, the convenience for convenience sake, just to get from plot point A to plot point B in this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, the effects are good. The the thing I really wanted to talk about that that irritated me, and and I noticed it uh with Shang-Chi is that comic book movies have this issue of same versus same mm-hmm. where it seems like the thinking is what we need to pit the heroes against is a evil version of themselves. Uh-huh. And that's what happened in Shang-Chi. That's yeah. definitely what happens in this this symbiote movie. And it's just watching Venom fling tendrils at Carnage, flinging spikier tendrils at Venom. Mm-hmm. There's There's no... There's no stakes at all. Mm-hmm. You have equal powered things and you're just waiting for that moment where something gives the the protagonist the upper hand. Right. And it's exactly. going to be almost, you know, God in the machine style where it just happens to come at the right time in the right way just as they're about to lose. Yep. And it's 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 this formula that mm-hmm. um it's not just Marvel, it's you know, DC does the same thing. Whereas um and, I, and I'm constantly trying to crack the comic book Clint code. <laughs> and I noticed, like, Ragnarok does not do that. Uh-huh. Um, Ragnarok has uh, – Thor Ragnarok has a, a wildly different uh, series of villains pitted against the heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even with with some of the better stuff with Thanos and Infinity War and Endgame, you have a very different uh, kind of setup there. And it doesn't have that traditional – uh, when you have a single character, and this goes back to the early Marvel movies, even the first Iron Man, you just have him fighting a larger iron right. suit. Yeah. Um, you know, Captain America is always fighting another super soldier mm-hmm. and things like that. And there's the, I think the better movies mix that up and, and find a way where uh, it's almost a Lex Luthor Superman thing mm-hmm. where it's intelligence versus brawn. Right, uh, right. Those, those are the moments that work. Uh, in comic book films, as opposed to the Black Panther versus Killmonger, right, yeah, uh, which yeah. is two CG Black Panthers swinging claws at each other. <laughs> it just it, there's not a lot of real drama there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm really curious. Eternals comes out in January. I'm really curious to get your opinion. Venom, let there be carnage. You can go on our little Cinebabble Amazon account and check that out if you want to. But no, thank you. Okay. No thanks. I, I promise you. I, after the first one, I swore I would never revisit that it's, world again. It's rough. Yeah. It's rough. Um, wow, it's I rough. don't understand, like, the need to also make that character super likable and funny. Yeah. Like, why can't it just be – he's like an evil uh, symbiote from outer space. Why can't it just be something else? <laughs> it really feels like and, – and it did in the comics too recently. It really feels like Deadpool was a success. Yeah. And they've tried to do that with other characters uh-huh. and Venom is one of them. Yeah. And I don't understand that. At the heart of this is a guy dealing with a parasite, mm-hmm. an alien parasite that's trying to take control. That's interesting. That's mm-hmm. dark. That can be really uh, – and it's – they're forced to bond because – he needs him to survive, but it's one of those instead of going schlocky and and going for the easy jokes and and oh look, Venom's cleaning his apartment and doing a bad job, literally a scene. Because <laughs> he's trying to cheer him up because his ex-girlfriend is engaged to the new guy. 
literally a plot point. Uh-huh. It, it just, again, it, I keep thinking of of when you said wait. It just it takes all of the dramatic heft and weight out of all of it, mm-hmm. and it was just so hollow and and two dimensional. Yeah, uh, which you would think you're dealing with, you know, a comic book. And so when you're adapting a comic book, your prime goal is to take something 2D and make it really feel fleshed out and three-dimensional and and multi-dimensional and things like that. You don't want it to still feel flat, whether it's visually or narratively or whatever else. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I feel like Spider-Man did it pretty much perfectly when Peter Parker got swoopy hair and danced. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know why they're even trying to top that. <laughs> and I think they should not try. There you go. Uh, the other <laughs> thing I watched was was quite the surprise. And I don't know why I was drawn to it because hmm. I thought it would be terrible. But it's a movie called Cop Shop. Have uh-huh. you seen? Uh, uh, I've heard of it. I haven't okay. seen it. It's a blast. Yeah. Uh, it, it genuinely is. It's about uh, this guy played by... Uh, yeah, what's his name? Mm-hmm. And he gets uh, – he purposely gets himself locked into jail because he's trying to avoid a hitman because he's done some bad things. And uh, the the hitman also purposely gets himself locked in jail. Uh-huh. And then another hitman comes for them. It's uh, – I think it's a Joe Carnahan flick. Okay. Uh, and it's just fun. I'm, I'm not saying it's not stupid. Mm-hmm. It, it does have stupid to it. But it has this real – um, kind of graphic novel, okay. kind of uh, uh, a pulp, stupid yeah, yeah. to it, where it's it's not a negative. It's just it's fun and weird, and there are weird, quirky characters. And maybe it just got me on a really good night. I had a really good time with this movie, hmm. um, especially once the third hitman comes, because at one point the the main assassin they're in jail cells across from each other, and. Uh, he's called he he calls the assassin psychotic, and he says, "I'm not psychotic. I'm I'm a professional." Uh-huh. Well, by the time the third assassin or this other assassin shows up, uh, he's super weird. And then there's just this moment where he said, "That's psychotic," and that's <laughs> that's the whole dynamic there. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's just it was I, I don't know how to describe it better than that. It is just a popcorn flick, mm-hmm. and, but a genuinely fun popcorn flick. It's it's going for kind of the same tone Nobody did. Uh-huh. I know you had some issues with Nobody. Yeah. Uh, you liked some of it, but you had some issues too. Um, this one this one might okay. uh, kind of tickle your fancy a little That's more. That's cool. So uh, that, it's, it's, it's a quick rent. It yeah. might be an hour and a half, mm-hmm. maybe close to two hours, but – it's fun. Well, that made me think of when you said pulpy. Um, I've been also watching Cowboy Bebop, mm-hmm. and that kind of has that cartoony pulpiness yeah. to it. And not to jump back uh, too much, but going to um, Shang-Chi, the after, like, I'm watching Cowboy Bebop, and, mm-hmm. like, that has such a strong, um, distinct visual style mm-hmm. to it. Like it knows what it's trying to do. It's not trying to be this glossy thing. Yeah. It's playing as having fun with the visual style. Like I actually really like the effects in that show. Yeah. And I could see where why people might say it's bad effects, but I think they're maybe just dumb and don't get get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Did you read I mean this just happened, but Netflix canceled it. Oh it's yeah, not I, getting a season yeah. two. And that's such a strange I don't understand the immediate it, it, it was it, there's a fan outcry I get and there's a lot of argument as to whether this thing is good or not. But Netflix just suddenly like, oh it's it it's canceled. 
Okay. Ridiculous. Uh, Yeah. I mean, clearly people are watching it. And so I, maybe it was just much more expensive than the usual show. And so they really needed it to be beloved and watched at a a really high level. But even then, they usually wait months before they announce a cancellation. It's just very strange. I mean, this just came out. Uh And then, oh, yeah, we're not doing season two. That sucks, but okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I've enjoyed, I enjoyed watching it. it. Like, I enjoy it more. Like, I have issues with it yeah, for sure, yeah. um, but I do like the visual style. And that going back, like I said, the Shang Chi, like having such a distinct style. Like, I feel like that doesn't. It had it was so flat and had no style. But like this Netflix show, that it's got to be less of a budget than that. I would think. And it, it, it I feel and like Netflix it, has Netflix money. I mean, yeah, for sure. They're they're loaded. Yeah. But I don't know. It, it, it feels smaller in a way. I think like with Shang-Chi, I, I wonder how much of it is, okay, we need these characters to still function when they get together in a giant endgame style movie. For sure. And yeah. so we need them to look a certain way because if you go too crazy with the style – and I always wondered if that's what was going on with the Edgar Wright Ant-Man. Uh-huh. Where the argument behind the scene was it, no, we need – this to match enough that we can have him pop up in other movies. Yeah. And if you do this crazy stuff, you're going to establish some things that are going to break the other movies. Yeah. And, you know, I, I felt that way a lot with, with Shang-Chi, where mm-hmm. it, it almost felt like they were trying to write their way around being too different. Yeah. Because it still had to hew close enough to the to the MCU line to be – you need Shung to show up in the next battle, and he needs right. to stand next to Doctor Strange, and your audience need to say, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and and how much does that hamper you creatively? For As sure. opposed to a Cowboy Bebop where it's just, here's our world, yeah, and we're going to play a, in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, like, I feel like there are some of the Marvel ones that, to me, visually do jump out, and there are yeah. some, like, I feel like the Guardians are slight, mm-hmm. like, there's, maybe there's just a slight shift in the color palette where they can be a little more colorful and outlandish mm-hmm. with it that for me just works a little bit better yeah. and and like the uh loki series and mm-hmm. um but yeah i don't know where i was going with that <laughs> you don't have to go anywhere okay well, we're, just just... Having, we're just having a conversation here clint that's all that's it's all almost christmas it's almost the end of the year yeah if you know we're we're just we're just just shooting it. Just two pals. Yeah, talking movies. Mm-hmm. Third movie I watched. <laughs> Sorry for the interruption. Was, no, you're good. The new Candyman. Have you seen this? No, I have not. Okay, I want you to watch this. Okay, and I would like to legitimately talk about this a little more at length. Okay, because it really got uh, panned mm-hmm. by a lot of people that watched it. So I went in very very cautiously and and with some level of trepidation. I loved it. Yeah. I, I just – I thought it worked. I was surprised how much it was a direct sequel to the first movie. Uh-huh. It ignores all the other sequels in a way and it just focuses on the first movie. But it does something very interesting. Um, it's it's trying for something much bigger mm-hmm. than – than I think people are giving it credit for. And it's possible that it's it's too ambitious. Mm-hmm. And in an hour and a half, because it is a quick watch, in an hour and a half, it just doesn't pull off what it's trying to pull off. I'm okay. open to that. Mm-hmm. For me, it worked. 
I loved I loved the message. I thought I thought what it was going for actually made it timely and relevant, mm-hmm. considering all the things with racial relations and intentions that are happening right now. Right. This felt very. It's it's hard to describe, um, without really setting up expectations or spoiling things for you. Yeah. And so um, I you know I recommend it just in general, but I I think it would be a really interesting discussion mm-hmm. because I'm not. Hundred percent sure you would have the same reaction. Okay, that I did, um, and maybe it was because my expectations were so low. <clears throat> right, I was able to enjoy it. Now I've given you high expectations. <laughs> You're not going to enjoy it. Who knows? Um, and I'm. It, it's not a perfect movie. There's there's some things in the middle with some side characters that just feels very tacked on. We need some kills. Yeah. Um, but ultimately what they're going for, I, I thought was really interesting. I've never seen any other Candyman except for the first one. That's good. So, yeah. They're real bad. Okay. The sequels are are genuinely, they're they're rough. Yeah. Uh, the second one that came out back when is is as close as it gets to a decent mm-hmm. Candyman sequel. And it's it's called um, Farewell to the Flesh and it takes place in New Orleans, I believe. Okay. And it's... It's a mess. <laughs> I even remember back when it came out because uh-huh. um, I think John and I watched it and we both looked at each other at one point and just, this is this is bad. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I recommend the new Candyman just to just to see. Um, I was curious about it. So, yeah. yeah. So I'll, I'll like I said, I have a copy. So I'll just I'll let you borrow it. And, oh, that's kind of you. Oh, thank you. Thank, <laughs> no, you. thank you. You know, it's. It's the Christmas spirit, Clint. Mm-hmm. Spirit and of giving. It is. It's the spirit of giving. And you know what else just really warms my heart at Christmas? Uh-huh. Cody Smith McPhee. Because I don't think, and I, I think everyone at home will agree with me. That's what the first thing comes to mind. It's the first thing that comes to yeah. mind. I And I, I don't want to harp on traditions, but mm-hmm. I remember when my grandmother said to me uh-huh. uh, as, a, as a little lad. A little lad. That, that boy... Let me show you some some Cody Smith McPhee films because Christmas is about two Cody things. Cody Smith McPhee is eternal. He is forever. He is going yes. to be around. Christmas is about lives. two things. Yes. Uh, it's about a guy born a long time ago, and it's about this young Australian actor that looks super weird, and he's, oh, he's I mean, got— he, he was also born a long time ago. Long time because my grandmother was yeah, telling me this yeah. is a boy, Cody Smith McPhee, <laughs> a lad. Don't don't be fooled. Mm-hmm. Um, he is he is much older than he looks. But it just ever since mm-hmm. Christmas, I he's got gingerbread and pumpkin pie and cinnamon and Christmas trees and lights and Cody Smith McPhee. Uh-huh. And so this week, I thought and you agreed. Mm-hmm. Why don't we? Share that holiday spirit with everybody at home yes. that listens or in their car or at the gym or wherever you're at listening to this thing. And let's just do a whole episode of Cody Smith McPhee films. And this has nothing to do with that. We had to do 2067 and nope. he was in that. Nope. And nothing to do with that. Nope. Has no, nothing to do the with holiday the holiday season. That Netflix just happened to drop Power of the Dog. <laughs> which also contains. <laughs> which also yeah. features Cody Smith McPhee. And it's nothing that we just like somehow linked no. it together and thought, let's no. do another movie so that no. it's completely Cody Smith McPhee. So, so I'd like to move into a portion of the show that I'm calling. Uh, a very special KSM Christmas. Cody Smith McPhee, Cody Smith McPhee, that's Cody with the K, not a C. Cody Smith McPhee, Cody Smith McPhee, that's Cody with the K.
Sim. Welcome to KSM. Yeah, because I'm not going to say Cody Smith McPhee over <laughs> over and over again. I'm going to say KSM. I'm just on a first name basis. Cody. He is. He is. He's, he's a, Cody. He's a fine kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met him. He's great. Uh, so our our first movie that we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the Power of the Dog, uh, and then we revisited uh, two films. Um, we revisited The Road mm-hmm. and Let Me In, and then we have our Cinetron pick, 2067. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about this episode. Let's start with Power of the Dog, which just hit Netflix. It's getting um, quite a bit of buzz. It's mm-hmm. got 96% of Rotten Tomatoes. People are loving it. Critics are loving it. It's about a domineering rancher uh, played by Benedict Cumberbatch who uh, responds with mocking cruelty when his brother brings home a new wife and her son, played by KSM. KSM. Until the unexpected comes to pass. Uh, this is this is a western from Jane uh, Campion, mm-hmm. who hasn't done a movie since The Piano. Um, I think she did some other things did in there. She? Yeah, and she also I did. I thought the, I read she hasn't done a movie in in quite a while. Hmm. I, well, she did the series, The Top of the Lake. Okay, have you ever seen that show? No, it's no. great. Is it's it? fantastic. Okay, when did that come out? Do you know offhand? Um, the past, it, um, maybe like four years ago or something. There was two okay. seasons of it. Um, but okay. it's fantastic. Okay. Yeah, and she Elizabeth Moss. I'm is in looking that. at the list now. I guess No, not Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, is it Elizabeth okay. Moss? Yeah. I'm just looking at it now, and I guess um the piano and portrait of a lady were the last big thing she did. She's done some other stuff though since then. Um, but then the power of the dog. Yeah. Uh Clint, what'd you what'd you think of Power of the Dog? Well, I was excited for this movie. Um, I mean, I actually didn't piece together that uh Jane Campion did it. Um, at first, um, because actually I was not super aware of her as a director. I had watched The Top of the Lake, and I thought that was a great series. Um, didn't really know there was just one single voice to it, that mm-hmm. like um, that she was at the, the top of the, the heap on that one. Um, and I had never seen The Piano. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I, I was just going on on a Western and having uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and Christian mm-hmm. Dunst and Jesse Plemons and, and our our, our our buddy uh, KSM. Yep. And Johnny Greenwood did the score for it, so I was super excited about that. Um, and so I, I I was excited to see it, and I watched it, and I I was like, there's there's something to this movie to this movie that I feel like I'm missing. Like like there was a lot of pieces to it that didn't snap into place mm-hmm. until the end. So I it was some one of those movies where it was swimming around my head for the, like the rest of the week, and I rewatched it, and knowing where it goes. In all the subtle, it's super. This movie oh my is so gosh. Yep. subtle, and there's so much under the surface of it that yeah. you're not gathering until the end, or maybe days later, like me. And so the first time I was not going to say cold, left cold, but I was like, I just knew there was something that I was either missing or just didn't pick up on. So I went back and watched it again, and man, I love this movie. I This is awesome. one of my favorite movies of the year. Um, I think it's, the subtlety to it is like a master class. It's amazing. And I went back and I watched The Piano mm-hmm. and um, thought that was fantastic. Yeah, it really is. It's like, you can tell a direct, director where they have such skill and like power over the frame like her framing is so beautiful and amazing and like makes you when it makes you see the world in a different way like like it just makes you notice details in a different way or like mm-hmm. look just like her shooting up a hill as someone's running across and it's like can be so powerful and amazing and like makes you just like see the scale of a landscape in a different way mm-hmm. um so i i, I was I don't know. I was blown away by this movie. I thought it was great. I I was too, and I I need to watch it again. Highly recommend. Um, it. Uh, yeah, fully highly recommend it. This this is uh, not just show don't tell. This is barely show and don't remotely tell. Yeah. This it it it's not an exhausting film. It's not no. a tiring film. It just makes you. Show up. You, yeah. You've got you to be to present. Attention. You've got to participate. Yeah. And you've got to pay attention. Even just the basic plot, by the time of everything wraps up at the end, you have to have really watched what happened to even understand yeah. what happened. And I I, I got it, yeah. um, but just at the moment. Right. Because I was really clear up until the end, I was really feeling as if I, I couldn't quite grab on to exactly what was happening. And mm-hmm. I knew I was watching important things. Yeah. I just couldn't figure out what those important things were. And by the end, it, it comes together where you understand what happens. But immediately I wanted to watch again. And I did watch the last 20 minutes again. Mm-hmm. I just need to watch the whole film again. Watch it all again because there's so much subtle stuff at the beginning mm-hmm. and throughout that is hinting towards the end. Mm-hmm. Like from the beginning, like – and it's amazing, and it's like it was here from the beginning, yeah. and um, and it, when and it's you, not a, it's not like I, I don't want to mislead, and it's not no. some big plot twist. No, it's no, not no. some movie where suddenly you know the earth cracks open and Western Satan comes out <laughs> or something. It's it's it remains even in its twists and turns, subtle as as you can imagine. Oh yeah, and that's still there. It's not like once you rewatch it, it's like slapping you in the face with it. It's more like you see it and then you can appreciate the characters yeah. and 
know their intentions more. Um, and so then you're not having this like what wonder of about like what is actually happening here. Yeah. It's more you can just enjoy like I can, I enjoyed the music more the second time. I enjoyed um like I said, the performances. Um and because there's it's just a subtle film. There are times uh, one of the things I loved about this, uh Jesse Plemons at one point who plays Benedict Cumberbatch's brother. Cumberbatch. He, Cumberbatch. Uh, he just disappears for for yeah. a solid chunk of the film, mm-hmm. and you know things have happened, but you're not always privy to what's happened. Mm-hmm. You're Sometimes you get to see him and his new wife, Aunt Kristen Dunst, mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know what their relationship is. Other times, suddenly you're just seeing the ramifications of something that you didn't get to see, and you have to piece it together. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't want to go into too much. I almost want to leave people uh, just being able to experience this fresh. There's there's a character that deals with alcoholism, mm-hmm. and that is never really explained in the way that any other movie would explain it. It's just there, mm-hmm. and you have to accept it. And now this is another piece of, of the puzzle, and this is another piece of what's uh, creating tension between all of these characters. Um, and that's a, that's a part of it, rewatching it, that mm-hmm. was had more – like power to it because mm. uh, it, she makes statements about it early on yeah. that when she's finally in the throes of like alcoholism, it, it gives it more like, um, I don't know, like I said, power. Mm. Um, but I thought it was really interesting, interesting, um, watching the piano after mm-hmm. watching this, because there's some very interesting, like, like through lines in mm-hmm. like, um, and similarities that she's playing with, like the same things, like a woman who is wed to this man and has this piano and has different relationship to the piano in this. It's more like in this, in the, the piano, it's this love affair that she has with it. And it's like her way of like expressing herself mm-hmm. when she cannot express herself verbally. And then this, it's like this like kind of daunting thing in her life that she's been, it's been put in front front of her, and now she has to perform it. And it like represents an expectation, yep. as if this is your entryway into the society, yep. and society is expecting you to be this thing. You have and, to play your part in this yep. in this role that we've put yep. you in. Um, yeah, so it's really interesting and to, like to see that. Um, I I was played with. I was particularly impressed. Benedict Cumberbatch in this is as is just serpentine and villainous as it comes. I thought his but accent in, was really good. Yes. But 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 in a very uh, he's not uh an on the nose bad guy. There is there is legitimate backstory here. Yeah. There is empathy to be had for this guy. Mm-hmm. There is suggestions of things that have happened in his past that have shaped everything that you see. Yeah. Uh there's an idolization of of a former mentor. Mm-hmm. Um uh, oh, I forget the the name, uh, Buck Henry or uh, it's no, it's not Buck Henry. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's there's this idolization of this this past person, and you really start to realize there's there's so much more to what that relationship was and who this person was in his life, and it, there there is so much happening, and these characters are so complex. Even even good old KSM playing uh, the son. That's that's very very interesting. And yep. at first, he's a very one note character, and almost feels inconsequential. 
uh, and dis- he's another one that disappears for a long period of time uh, in the first, you know, two acts. Mm-hmm. And uh, but but he's central to everything that's going to happen, and and he's not the catalyst, but he's he's sort of coming in, and by the end of the film. He's the one that's that's leaving his mark on everything, and he's the one that, in the most unassuming way possible, has established control of the family. I mean, and it's uh, there. That was rewatching it. It's there from the opening lines. Really, from mm-hmm. the opening lines, he states who he is because he's like doing the narration yeah. in the beginning, yeah. and he states like at the beginning basically how he's going to play this out. Mm-hmm. And it's super interesting after hearing that, and then just following him through the film. Yeah. Um, I, I thought that it was, I don't know, it was so great. I just I need to watch it again. Um, it's 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 just haunted my brain since I since I saw it the first time. I uh, I just find myself thinking about it, and mm-hmm. I, I find myself thinking about scenes, um, you know, and and just the, there's so much done in this where it marries together everything from from set design to uh, props, and and everything has a purpose. The paper flowers, yeah, uh, have have such a um, a meaningful role and they represent one thing, but then they become another. Mm-hmm. And that's really what happens so much through this movie. You get something and on its surface, it it very clearly represents something. And then another character gets a hold of it and it's twisted in a way that adds depth to it. And now it means something else. But you know, as as the viewer, that this, whatever it is, it could be characters, it could be all sorts of things. This happens over and over again. You can be looking at it and you can know that in any given scene, like the 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 piano she's being asked to play, mm-hmm. that means three different things to three different people in that room. Right. Yeah. To uh, you know, her husband, it is he's he's proud of her and he wants to show her off. To her, she's dreading this thing because it proves she doesn't belong. Oh, or and, she's being used in yes. a way. And, and yeah. And and to his brother. This is this is a wedge. This is a way to he already hates that his brother He's, has fallen for this woman. And this piano represents something that he can use to to push her further into what he sees. Yeah, because he sees her as this woman coming for their money. Yep. And he can use this as a sign that she's fraudulent yep. and she's here for the wrong purposes. And so and so and that's just one scene, but mm-hmm. here's this element. Uh, that that means all these different things, and that's where the tension comes from. Mm-hmm. The tension, the tension in this film, is incredible, uh, from start to finish. You you just feel it in the air. Uh, even just the relationship between the brothers mm-hmm. uh, from the beginning, you can you can feel that that you are coming into a piece of a story that has been building already long before you've gotten to it, and now you're just getting to see. You know, the moment where all of these different people sort of are shoved into one unpredictable scenario and they have to survive or try to survive or try to figure out who they are and how to live. And it just – I, my brain worked the whole time and it has not stopped thinking about the film ever since. Well, I mean, like there's – like what you're talking about, how there's um, – from a different person's perspective, it like it says a different thing about the moment in the mm-hmm. film. But like like also like 
the same thing with like Benedict Cumberbatch's character, Phil, and um, Jesse Plemons' George. Like the moments where Benedict uh, Cumberbatch is talking about his, um, what was the guy's name? Buck, you called him Buck Henry. It's, it's not, not right, Buck Henry. but we're going to call him it's... Buck Henry. <laughs> we're calling him Buck Henry. I'm going to find out why you talk. Anyway. Because that's going to drive me anytime nuts. Anytime that um, Phil is talking about this character, you can, if you, this is, I picked up on the second time. If you look at Phil, um, at George's face, because mm-hmm. he knows the history with Bronco Henry. Bronco. There it is. Uh, not far off. It's not, it was close. Yeah. I was much closer than I thought. Bronco. Bronco. Henry. Anytime he talks about him and you look at George's face, he oh, knows yeah. the history. He knows exactly he knows, what's happened. And he knows what happened. And and uh and it makes it so much more interesting when you um when you see where the film goes. Mm-hmm. And also, like, it's really interesting with um, Phil and um, Cody Smith-McPhee, KSM, Peter, like, watching their relationship and how Mm -hmm. it forms, and it gives you a window into um, Benedict Cumberbatch's relationship with Mm -hmm. um, Bronco Henry. Like, you're kind of seeing it take place again because you know he's kind of like he's yep. just repeating the the history of, that he had with him because he he sees that as this i don't know true love affair or something i don't know what and even the, then he's twisting it yeah he's doing it in a way that still furthers his ends he doesn't actually have affection for this kid at least for, not at first for sure He's he's using it just like he used the piano. Yeah, yeah. He's using it just like he used the piano, and and it does. There there is a genuine fondness that starts to develop. Yeah, Um, but it takes yeah. It it takes time, and that's not the intention. The intention is here's another way I can drive a wedge, and and I can really pick at this woman. Yeah, and and make her fall apart even more. And it it. Honestly, it works. You're yeah. watching it work. Mm-hmm. You're watching her really struggle to to hold it together. Mm-hmm. Um, man, this was just again that tension. I I felt on edge the entire time, even when it seems like nothing is happening and things are just slowly going along. You feel that there there is this sinister. There's there's teeth to the movie. Oh, for sure. And almost like there will be blood. I was just going to. You know something's coming. Yep. You know that this is going to end in a way uh, that that somebody is not. You know, somebody. Every everybody can't have a happy ending here well, uh, by any means. Well, I, the first time, you know, like I said, um, I wasn't totally grasped onto it mm-hmm. until the end. Or, um, and even at that point, because then there was a lot that I I subtly missed. Well, even figuring out the mechanics of what oh, happened, right, is difficult, right. Um, but so there was a lot I I wasn't picking up on. But there is um, ah uh, man, I lost my train of thought. Sk- okay. Skip over it. <laughs> <laughs> the The bottom line is watch this movie. <laughs> And think about it for a while and then watch it again. Yeah. Um, it, it just I, – I've just started to put together my top ten list. This is definitely in the pile. Uh, I need to watch it again. Uh, but it it would not surprise me if it lands on mine as well. Yeah. Well, what I, I remember what I was going to say. Um, the second time getting through and getting to the end, the – and I'm not going to say what it is, but the it, well, actually it wouldn't mean anything. 
at all because you haven't the experience of what happens before. But the final shot of the film is so like the second time through is like one of the most haunting yep. shots. Like after you know what the experience of yep. the movie is, especially the second time through because, man, I don't know. The second time it just hit me so much harder and I liked it the first time and mm -hmm. I keep saying the same thing over and over again. But man, this is a movie where it's, so much deserves a rewatch yeah. and not to say it's not it's not good the first time no it's it's, it's excellent it's just one time. of those movies where it just gets more powerful as you um dive into it more yeah. i'm i'm looking forward to it yeah. I'm, I'm genuinely this is this is a a really standout film this year mm -hmm. um and and not a film in any way that's a traditional kind of best picture nominee or or best of the year or or anything it's 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 a very different kind of film and it's it's operating in a very different way and uh I just I appreciate it one it thing good. um the well, at least the first time that slightly bothered me was the stand in of New Zealand for it was it Missouri or Nevada I didn't even notice that <laughs> um the only reason I noticed it like it was really good except for there was the driving scenes and mm -hmm. there was these rock formations out mm -hmm. in like and I was like I don't think that's anywhere here and then it, very lord of the rings very lord of the rings like, oh it's hobbiton <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> But the second time, I actually really appreciated it because mm -hmm. it made it more more haunting. It like okay. it made it feel like almost more like the surface of the moon or something that this is taking place on. Um, so I, I never noticed that yeah, stuff. Yeah. So, uh, well, you know, ha, speaking of landscapes, <laughs> let's let's hop from Power of the Dog, highly recommended, to The Road. Uh -huh. uh, the Road is based on a Cormac McCarthy. A book of the same name. Have you ever read that book? Oh, yes. It's, it's one of my favorite books. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, I keep saying incredible this episode, but I just, <laughs> I've got lots of times to say incredible. Uh, the Road. Um, oh, I, I wanted to mention one thing. If we don't want to completely fall back on that, this is a through line of Cody Smith McPhee. Yes. There's no, also. We do. Okay. We do. We, we it's do. Christmas, Clint. We do. But we also have. It's a very special KSM Christmas. <laughs> jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell. I love that song. <laughs> um <laughs> Three of our movies we're talking about are all based on books, so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know why that threw me off so much. I was just like, what? Yeah. Uh, the first yeah. being 2067. Yeah. Of course, that classic tale. Classic. Classic. <laughs> Kurt Vonnegut, I believe. Uh, so The Road came out in 2009 uh, from director John Hillcoat, who also had done The Proposition, uh, which is one of my favorite Westerns. And Lawless. And Lawless. I forgot about that. Uh, Lawless, which has one of the most disturbing sound effects in all of cinema where somebody gets their throat sawed through with oh, a right. knife uh, and that sound effect anyway uh, this is this is a post-apocalyptic tale of a man a nameless man played by Vigo Mortensen and his young son boy. played by KSM who is just boy yeah. uh, they wander through this post-apocalyptic world trying to keep uh, the dream of civilization alive also Charlie uh, Stern's in it and briefly you, you know in what her flashbacks mom woman woman <laughs> Yeah, this is perfect. Um, my perfect speed for names. Yes, this is this is just about a, a father and a son trying to survive. Yeah. in a nightmare of a of a post apocalyptic landscape. Uh, what was what was your rewatch with the road like? Well, I was nervous going in because I haven't probably watched this since yeah. it came out, 
and staring me in the face before starting is I have this big Mondo poster on the wall of it. Cause is I, that the one where they're hiding under the tree? No, this no, one is them. I it's like a very poster. sketchy, um, like them just walking on the road oh, okay. with a with a shopping cart. Uh, it's a really beautiful um, poster. But I was like, I bought that, not watching the movie again, and I was like, man, if I take like watch this again and I don't what like this, bad? like I'm gonna have to take the poster down. I guess <laughs> I like the poster just out of principle. Yeah, I just feel like a, a sham of a man. <laughs> um, so rewatching, I was uh, nervous and excited because I remembered really liking it. Um, and this time, I, I was pleasantly pleasantly surprised. I still really enjoyed it. And like all the beats that had hit hard for me the first time still did, still were really emotionally devastating by the end. Yeah. Um, and there's some moments of like s- some effects that don't hold up as well, but they're all subtle in the background. Um, and they're nothing that like ruins it, but cause it's, I mean, I think it was mainly done kind of practically. Wasn't it done like in a, where a place area was devastated yes. by a forest fire. Yeah. Um, so that works really well, but yeah, I thought it was still great. Yeah. So what'd you think? Uh, same exact thing. This is one of my favorite movies. Um, it it just I I have a hard time watching it uh, yeah. because um, I watched it. So 2009, my kid is six, uh-huh. and when I watched <laughs> this thing, it wrecked me. Yeah, because it just it was the right time to just grab my tear ducts and rip them out of my face. Um, I would love to imagine you two on the road. That would be amazing. <laughs> it would be very different. Just Rachel screaming, you movie. get off the floor. Yeah. <laughs> it's dirty. It would It would not be as quiet of a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I think the hardest part is uh, Vigo really benefited from KSM's just subdued nature. Mm-hmm. My son would alert every cannibal within three <laughs> miles to our presence uh, by the hour. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I I don't know how long we would make it. But I just – this this is such a simple movie, mm-hmm. and I love that they kept it simple. The book is very simple. Oh, it's like poetic and, and lyrical yes. and it is – yeah. This this is one of, I think, the, the most faithful adaptations mm-hmm. of a book I've ever seen because it, it just hews so closely to what McCarthy set out to do, mm-hmm. which was not to <laughs> – explain some tale or to give you a cautionary tale or to uh you know it's it's not mad max it's not no. something where you're trying to piece together what happened or what the world is it's really just about is is a relationship strong enough to survive the impossible uh, at the very core and even that's selling it short because it's it's about it's just about people trying to stay alive Mm -hmm. and you're presented from the beginning with mom woman didn't want to stay alive she couldn't handle it yeah um she almost thought it was like her duty to not stay alive it felt like like she's like why are we do why are we even staying why would we even try this yeah like we should just put him out of his misery and we should kill ourselves and this this is and that's the thing it like the book it deals with these huge abstract concepts yeah uh it it's very light on plot, but very big on hope versus hopelessness and and fear versus love and, uh, you know, civilization versus chaos. And it's really just kind of playing in the sandbox. Um, you could almost accuse it of being directionless, except that it's it's setting up this relationship and it just wants you to believe in this relationship. 
And it has, I mean, it has the kind of central uh, plot of he's trying to prepare him for when he's gone. Yeah, because so, he knows that he's not just mortal, but he knows that that his time is is wrapping up soon. Right. He's, he's seeing the signs and he's got this kid that he, you know, knows potentially is not going to make it without him. Right. Right. Yeah. So he's just trying to give him some of the, like the smallest amount of tools to like when he's gone that he can maybe survive. He can maybe find somebody like to um, help protect him mm-hmm. and it just just even down to like look for the good ones and yeah. like and that's like so basic and yeah. uh, and that's what kind of carries through the whole movie. It's just like the basics of uh, fatherhood and relationship and like survival and um, now yeah. is this more because in my mind, if if we had this level of of kind of post apocalyptic scenario, this is I'm pretty sure what society would devolve into. I think it would be roving bands of, of cannibals yeah. mm-hmm. and and scavengers and anybody that was not able to stomach that would just you know one by one be picked off and this 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 is a a very cynical idea of what society would do if it fell apart. But I especially watching our, our <laughs> wonderful world the last six years. I'm super cynical now. I so really I totally. Believe, <laughs> if you would have asked me way back. Uh, you know, um, early when this came out, uh, yeah, I would have said this is too cynical. Now, no, no. I have no faith in humanity. No, I really, we <laughs> so we we can't even uh, walk our way through a pandemic no. without remotely trying to take care of each other. No. It's you know, it's it gives you a little bit of hope when you see things like the the tornadoes in Kentucky and people rushing in to help and bring them food and awesome. Uh, you know, these these big events do bring. I think a, a very initial outpouring of of humanity, but anything that's long term, or abstract, or or abstract, <laughs> people just they they tire of being good mm-hmm. very quickly, and uh, oof, I just yeah. So anyway, <laughs> my my rewatch of the road was a very different rewatch. It it still hit me emotionally, but it it felt much more real. Um, yeah, and less cynical. It felt much more. Uh, um, it's cynical, like you said, like in the way of like depicting how civilization will yeah. react to a situation like that, but not in the way of like individuals, mm-hmm. like on a emotional, like personal yeah. relationship way would. Like that feels more hopeful. Yeah. It's it's the same way as I watched The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. I remember us talking about like this feels a little too much like it would happen. Uh-huh. Um, and I wouldn't have thought that years ago, but right now, based on our current society and and the divisiveness of everything, yep, this feels about right. And that that was my reaction to the road this time. The road felt a little too real to me <laughs> well, the one, second time or one, this. However many times I watched it. Yeah. Well, one of the scenes that like it was really quick that really nailed that uh, home for me it was when they go into some um, 
like a dilapidated building looking for mm-hmm. food or whatever, and he looks in a trash can and there's just skeletons in there from cannibals. And it's just like, yep, yep. they would have <laughs> just thrown the bodies away. Yeah. Like it's just yeah. like such a modern idea of cannibalism. Like yep. we're going to put our We're going to clean up bodies our plates. Out, put our, yeah, clean up our <laughs> plates and put it out by the curb. Yeah. Yeah. At least we can do that. Yeah. I, I And I really, it's such a simple film. I don't have much more to say about it than that. It packs a, a punch. It packs a wallop. It it definitely, if you can watch this without feeling anything, it, you're a sociopath. There's something wrong with you because this really, one of the things I've always respected about Viggo Mortensen is he really, uh, sort of like Daniel Day-Lewis and some others, they give everything they've got to a role. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting watching uh, Cody Smith in this because you get the sense that that that's who he's learning from and he's he's doing that and as i looked back at all these things he's been in uh even at, at a young age he's in these projects that are with these really strong actors and they're really strong like character actors yes too. And, yeah. and he's in roles that are really challenging him and i don't know if it's just he's got savvy parents i don't know if he's got a really good agent Somebody is like, this kid looks weird, but he's a good actor, and so let's put him in in weird stuff mm-hmm. and just let him, uh, you know, kind of – he's never going to be Tom Holland. Yeah. He's never going to be, you know, the guy that, that plays Spider-Man. So let's let's make him an actor and help him to become an actor that really has these interesting projects that – that have power to them. Well, I mean, like in The Power of the Dog, they play that up too. Yeah. Like he's a really gaunt, weird looking oh, yeah. guy, but like he's fantastic. Yeah. But man, those are the actors that I, I get excited yeah. about. Like the people who like, like Joaquin Phoenix or something where they're, he's like, he's kind of traditionally handsome, but in a weird, something's weird on off about him. Yeah. And the same thing with him. Uh, and uh, it, it makes me more excited about the role. He's not, he's kind of representing maybe a more um, like, I don't know, accurate portrait of humanity yeah. rather than these like godlike kind of people yeah. who are glossy and on a, ma- like should be on a magazine cover. Um, and, and like in this, he's like, I can't tell. There's some scenes where like, I'm not sure if he's acting or if he's actually like, there's scene like where he breaks down crying mm-hmm. and he's oh. actually terrified. And, well, and he's so young at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it would, it would be very easy for this to be a method experience. Right. Uh, and if you just have the cameras rolling. You know, it's, it had to be a tough shoot. Yeah. It's, They're in the cold, wet yeah. the whole time. Yeah. Like even if it – I mean, I can't – I'm not saying like it was intentionally we're going to put this little boy No, no, no. It's more like this happened and Vigo yeah. like is very like paternal and fatherly and like reacting very naturally too. And yeah. it just – it works really well. Yeah. So this, this is another one. I mean just the performances uh, and the visuals really sell this film. Uh, it was it was interesting watching this right after Power of, of the Dog. Yeah. Uh, this was actually a weirdly a, a great little double feature. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched them kind of back to back one day and then the other. And it just, uh, I don't know. Like I said, it really hit me. It just, uh, the, the relationship between the father and the son hit me the same way it did. But th- watching this just felt much more... Like a horror movie that was a little too real. Um, yeah. 
while I really enjoy, and this is from the book too, just the I, the landscape of this post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. world, this like desolate, like burned out, like just on fire world. It, it's such an interesting visual. It's cool. Oh, and the idea of trying to survive, but being com- uh, confronted so consistently and constantly with desolation. Right. And 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 it really, you know, just the idea of finding a can of peaches is a big deal. Um, and it doesn't, and the father loves the son so much, right? That even in the face of that much hopelessness, you know, he's he's still determined to find a life for this kid, right? And they don't do the, like the typical like blockbustery thing because yeah. like the path of this is they're working their way to the coast. Mm-hmm. But they don't do the blockbustery like thing where they get to the coast and it's green yeah, and like yeah. it's no. the promised land. They get there and it's the same, and just like maybe there's somebody there or maybe that can help them or there's food there. So it's yeah. it's interesting in that way too. Well, and that that brings us to Let Me In. Uh, Let Me In uh, is a 2010 uh, horror film. And it's a remake of the 2008 Swedish film, Let the Right One In. And based on the book by the same name. Yes. So. And it, it just tells the story of this bullied 12-year-old boy, played by KSM, who befriends and develops a romantic relationship with a female child, Vampire. Um, now, Let Me In takes place in New Mexico in the 80s, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was a really good time period for this. I The first time I watched this movie, I was really surprised. I had already watched Let the Right One In, mm-hmm. loved that movie, yeah. and was very wary of uh, a remake. remake. So quickly, too. So quickly, you know, four years, and it's an American remake, and ugh, does this need to be remade? Right. Loved it. When I watched it, and uh, the director is um, Matt Reeves. Yes, Matt Reeves, who went on to do uh, the Planet of the Apes remakes and the new Batman that's coming. Um, and he did uh, Cloverfield. Yeah, mm-hmm. I forgot about that. Uh, like him as a director, mm-hmm. I was really impressed. I remember when I first saw this uh, that it's very similar to the Swedish film, but similar to how I enjoyed David Fincher's. Um, uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, uh-huh. and it's beat for beat a lot like the the original. It just feels like both of these can exist, and these are both good films. And I felt the same way about this. But as I came back to it, I was really nervous uh-huh. because I was thinking, okay, yeah, was this just it hit me the right way? Does it still hold up? I I really enjoyed it. I I thought it was. Um, Really, really well done. What did you, what did you think? I really appreciate you mixing it up that time, and yeah. you gave your opinion first. I did. Yeah. I did. I always put so much pressure on you. <laughs> I got to set the tone every single time. I know, and I I try to you know. Yeah. It's I'm feeling generous. Very generous in this it's, season. Again, of KSM. It's a very special KSM Christmas, <laughs> and I just I you better put some jingle bells. I'm gonna like, yeah. Shing shing shing. For I, sure. I want some just loud the whole time. We're not gonna. Be <laughs> I'm not going to hear anything this we be say. the most Christmassy episode <laughs> aud- audibly. Just oh, it anyway. Um, no, I, I I just I was surprised how much I, I really liked it because I was I was a little worried. What'd well, you? I was nervous too going because I mm-hmm. hadn't watched it either since it came out, and I was actually like on in like the camp of I'm not watching this version. Yeah, I remember being like kind of the same. I was like I'm not going to watch it until like. I was like, there's no, like, I'm so anti-remake. Yeah. Like, um, 
I mean, to a degree. I mean, there's some things like if it's a bad film, like let's remake it and make it something. You interesting. need to justify to me why something's being remade, other than well, this will help people not read. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, but then you had watched it and you're like, yeah, maybe check it out. Mm-hmm. Maybe check it out. So I did. And I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, at that point I wasn't like Matt Reeves, wasn't somebody on my radar where like that would have made me super excited to uh, actually check it out. Um, I think things like this then put him on my map of movie directors to watch out for and be excited about. Um, so yeah, watching it again, I was nervous and, um, I, I still really enjoyed it. I think like there's some things I f- like, kind of like the road where I feel like in the past 10 years, effects have jumped up yeah. quite a bit. There's some moments where she's moving like in a very animalistic vampire way that like the physics aren't quite right yeah. anymore. You can feel the film trickery. Yeah. You can yeah. see when the, it, the, um, the computer takes over a little yeah. bit. But other than that, like the performances are still good. Like this, the same thing kind of as the road. Um, the road has such a good auxiliary cast of yeah. characters that come in, like good actors, like yeah. Guy Pierce shows up just for like a minute. Yeah. And this, oh, I forgot all about that scene, and that's so good. Anyway, go on. But this movie does the same thing. Yep. It just really like every single actor um, is like perfectly cast for the moment that they're in it. Like, what was it, Richard Reed? Richard Jenkins. Richard Jenkins. And uh, Elias Codius. Uh-huh. Um, both of them are, are really, really good. Yeah. Uh, in very small parts. Right. For the most part. Um, but they they really sell um, and, and I think expand what they have there. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Like, so it just gives, like, those... Those moments, like more power, and I keep saying weight, but it's just like how I, it's what I, I what I feel, and I'm gonna say it. No, you say it. Now, well, which one is which one? Do you think is the superior one? Let let the right one in, or let me in? Have you have you ever really put them side by side and no, tried to figure that out? I've never. For, I, I I watched them both. Okay, and I didn't get time to do that. But. Well, it's just it was one of those. I wish I could take the girl from the Swedish version. Yeah. So I've got that vampire. And then take uh, KSM legitimately, not just because it's this episode, but but take Cody Smith McPhee uh, as the boy. Grab Richard Jenkins and Elias Codius and put it in Swedish somehow, <laughs> and that would be yeah. Th- it's such a it's such a toss up for me because I I like both movies and there are just elements that I feel like well this one did stronger, but then over here this one did stronger. Mm-hmm. The kids that that bully. I think work a lot better in the Swedish version yeah. than this was in a little the American version. In a way. And man, Just a little bit. I, I, we've never American school bullying is always in film so <laughs> cartoonish. Cartoonish is yeah. the perfect word. We just have not really figured out how to portray that yeah. on film because it always feels that way. Mm-hmm. It always feels just too too forced. Yeah. Um, whereas the Swedish version, I I really bought. Man, these are just they're just some mean kids, uh-huh. and and they really just won't let up on him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't feel as forced. Mm-hmm. And so you know, going back and forth, it was just like, well, some things were were better over here, and some things were better over here. 
Well, how they talk so um, kind of mysteriously about if she's a boy or a girl. Yeah. Like, and I think in the um, Let the Right One In, they're a little more— um, It's for, much more pronounced. More, yeah. yeah. And so I thought it would be kind of interesting. Like, uh, it would have been interesting to see Cody Smith-McPhee as the vampire character mm. because he's kind of androgynous in a yeah. way. Yeah. So it would be like— I don't know. I thought that I – and mean, he's so, so distinct looking that he would make a good vampire. Um, I thought that would just – I mean, I, it's, I like it how it is, but it would be it would have been fun. I remember when Let Me In came out and people were frustrated that it didn't play with gender the way the Swedish one did. Yeah. And they thought it was the uh, – Matt Reeves kind of um, being afraid of that with American audiences. I I think it's because of, of the cast. I think it's because of um, – Chloe Grace, yeah. she does not look right. androgynous. Yeah. It, it's very clear this is a little girl. Yeah, and so it, they I, hint at it. They they, they bring it they up, but they still it always put it there. But yeah. it, it wouldn't have worked. I don't think. I, I it feels to me much more like a practical decision rather than a a fear of of losing an audience. Yeah, they they when she says it, it's more like I'm not human anymore. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm yeah, I'm not even a part of the human race. Yeah. Um, but there's still like the I feel like all the major beats of the yeah. film still really hit and like are brutal in that. Um, I mean, I think um, was it was it Richard Jenkins. Richard Jenkins? I keep saying I don't know why you keep forgetting. I don't know. Step Brothers, Richard Jenkins. Richard Jenkins, who I he's a fantastic. Yeah, he really is. Um, man, him as like the serial killer, yeah. like his whole look of just the plastic bag over his head is so it, it and. Um, has that Fincher feel yep. like, and it makes me excited for the Batman because it's yep. kind of like in the Batman trailers, it feels like he's really playing with that same tonal palette as Fincher. But when you see this movie, it yep. makes you realize like, Oh, it's been there from the beginning. Yep. And like, this is just a part of how he makes films. I forgot he had made this. I, when they announced that he was doing Batman, I was like, Oh cool. He, you know, he really showed himself with the apes movies. And so they gave him Batman. Totally forgot. Oh no, he does horror, and, yeah, and it, does like, it he's very done, effectively. And he's done like every, field, like movie, you said, and, yeah, every movie he's done has been yeah. pretty great. So yeah. um, that's interesting. But no, I it was it was a good revisit. I think it's a genuinely scary film. I think it's one of mm-hmm. the few horror remakes that that work. Uh, I still don't know that it needed to yeah. exist. There's some um, things about like I feel like the use of music in the. This one is a little um, excessive. Mm-hmm. Like they're really trying to like hit the emotional beats with music the entire time, and it kind of gets exhausting in a way. I feel like maybe the Swedish one doesn't do that. And it's interesting when you watch them back to back, you can feel that the Swedish one has more of that European sensibility yeah, yeah. of filmmaking, whereas the American one there there are it's it's small or it's subtle, but there are things where. Like, no, American audiences need this. Yeah, yeah. American audiences need told how to feel. Yeah, the music's got to come up like European this now. Audiences. Yeah. 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 And I, I think, you know, even going back to The Power of the Dog, I, I'm sure there are some people who will get excited and watch it and hate it mm-hmm. because it is so subtle. Um, you know, it, it doesn't feel uh, American at all. And and I think that's just a cinematic language. It's cultural language that yeah. that pops up in different places. So. But then once you start watching more foreign films and oh, you yeah. notice those differences, yeah. then you like I don't know. It just like really starts screaming at you, like yeah. oh, the, like, how the 
how they use those kind of things. Well, and it just it, the American movie audience and just American movies is so much more driven by money, I think, than what I perceive in in other regions. Because in other regions, it seems like the art drives things much more than money or or the the box office. Right. And yeah. so it it makes sense that a, the American movie style would be much bigger and splashier uh-huh. and louder and get more audience in. Yeah. I mean, as far as like Hollywood movie, this it, like is nowhere near compared to no. some other movies. No. Like it, it's still pretty subtle in the yeah. what it does. And uh, I can appreciate it for that. Yeah. All right. Well, so we're three for three in agreement. Yeah. Highly recommend Power of the Dog and man, rewatch if you, the road and let me in if you haven't seen them. So uh, far, this they is hold a, up. So this far, this is a great episode. Great KSM. This is uh, I am man. Holiday. Every every package we have opened under the KSM tree I know. has just been exactly what I asked for. Just so, him staring down with his far eye, apart eyes, just like <laughs> lovingly, just like embracing us. I, I I genuinely love and respect him as an actor, but me too. man, he looks weird. But in the best way. The best way. But I I love that that kid has found fame uh, and success because if not, oh, that poor kid would just be that guy you make fun of at McDonald's. I don't think and it's that bad. It's, it's not, not. He's it's just, just distinct looking. I'm not saying I would make fun of him. It's just you, like, oh, the teens over in the corner would make fun of him kind of thing. He's just this weird looking dude. Anyway, so I, I was I you, uh, excited that he was in our, our Sinatron spin, 2067. But I was not excited that 2067 came up. Mm-hmm. I got a little angry. <laughs> and, you um, threw things. I did. I did. I got a little angry because me. I had swore I was not going to watch this movie because I had watched the trailer and I thought it looked stupid. <laughs> just Why? Just it looks, looks stupid. looks great to me. <laughs> So uh, I, I went uh, this week. I watched 2067, and I'm I'm not going to beat around the bush or make it uh, a surprise. I I will tell you right now. I had to start and stop this movie at least five times because you went to savor it. You were just like, "Oh, this is so good! I just want to spread it out." The the Christmas cheer, <laughs> sure. Uh, I had the hardest time getting through this movie. Uh-huh. And I'll tell you why in a little bit. I want to hear your thoughts first. But here is the actual plot of this movie. Mm-hmm. When Earth's air becomes unbreathable. Good so far. A message from the future sends a man on a dangerous mission to an unknown time to save the human race. Uh-huh. Very simple. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. You got me. Um, Clint. What'd you think of of twenty sixty seven? Well, I I also had watched the trailer for this film. Oh, good. And also yeah. thought this looks bad. It was stupid. <laughs> this looks stupid and stupid. bad. <laughs> when I started it, I was like, "Well, the effects don't look as bad as I thought." <laughs> like it looks like okay, this is a tier above like a sci fi channel movie. Yeah, I I, will I agree was like, with you okay, on this that. is it's it's doing its job. This is not Blade Runner twenty forty nine. No, this I was is not Dune. No, no. I just want to be clear. This Dunedin, is not even prospect. Denis didn't do this one. No. no. Um. So then, yeah, I I uh, I, I watched this film and I uh, I thought equally it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> this was a bad movie. Ken. Thank you. Really... I, 
I hated this movie. Clint. Yeah, it I also hated... took me multiple tries. Oh, I hated every second of this movie. Yeah, and I tried. I really did because I do like Cody Cody Smith. KSM. I like KSM. I even like Jason. Uh, I never know how to pronounce his last name. He was in True Blood. Uh, I like you, him. You like that guy, I, Ryan? I, I like. He's a nice guy. If you watch <laughs> interviews, okay. And I have seen him in things I've liked. Okay, his okay. only. Personality trait in this film is a do rag. <laughs> That's the only way they like so try true. to show that this That's guy so has true. character. That's so true. That's a do rag. I I, I want to try to um, wrap my head around and articulate what is wrong with this movie. Okay. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally everything about this movie, uh, even poor KSM. Is yeah. really just I can't believe this is the same guy. I know that was just in the power of the dog, because this is. You are right. It is a step above visually a sci-fi channel. That's movie. it, though. But everything else about it yeah. is a sci-fi channel movie. Oh yeah, it does not deserve him. It it and and, and honestly, even the visuals really start to fail as soon yeah. as they get to the chamber with the time machine. Yep. And the ridiculous-looking uh, silver-haired woman <laughs> that looks like she belongs in Thor Ragnarok, standing next to the Grandmaster. Honestly, yeah, uh, that would have worked. It or does like not the work Hunger here. Games. Those yeah. like those uh, weird people. There is at its core this little nugget of a plot that has potential. But it, that's just Twelve Monkeys, though. Just watch Twelve Monkeys. <laughs> The plot is 12 Monkeys. The plot is 12 Monkeys. <laughs> just watch 12 Monkeys. This is like You're some, right. just like this somebody had heard about 12 Monkeys from a friend, like us just talking. He's like, oh, and then forgot he heard that like synopsis of 12 Monkeys and then made this movie. Bad, a bad version of 12 Monkeys. You can't see it if you're listening. <laughs> I keep forgetting this is a podcast. I am literally sitting here with my jaw <laughs> hanging on the floor because. How did I not notice? You're absolutely right. The good nugget is 12 monkeys. You're absolutely right. <laughs> the only thing good in this movie is another movie. Yes. They the stole. The yeah. only Oh my gosh. This is a bad movie, Clint. Uh the music is terrible. Oh, yeah. The effects are terrible. The acting is bad. The cinematography Poor KSM is terrible. is bad in this movie. Acting is bottom of the barrel. Uh the script I, I honestly the the back half of this movie, I could not even understand what was happening? Me either. He I get... could not follow. I could not, and I did by the end, but only because they had to explain it three times at the very end for me to yeah. even figure out, like, oh, that's what they were doing. And honestly, I still don't understand <laughs> why there's a version of him that was already there. No, me either. And I'm sure there's a way to to figure it out, but I don't care. Yeah. Nothing about this movie made me want to figure out the parts that it didn't explain to me. Can I? I want to just uh, spoilers for this movie oh, because 100%. I, I, I just want to talk 100%. about some key scenes that were so ridiculous to me. The whole sequence where it explains how he got the stupid bracelet on his arm. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to set the scene for you. Poor KSM, as this boy is sitting home alone with his mother and. <laughs> And he's sad. It's his birthday. Yes, he's, he's sad. He's sitting on the sad. floor. He wants his dad there on he's his sad. birthday. And this kid, can I just say, looks nothing no. 
nothing like KSM. No. Nothing. Beloved KSM. Which we know what he looks like as a boy because we just watched The Road and and Let Me In. Yeah. And these people could have watched his movies. Could have watched it. Got a picture. Found a kid. Um, And CG'd his eyes a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. I think there's an Instagram filter for that. They could have done it. Sure. Anyway, he's sitting there sad for on his birthday. That kid weighs more (laughs) as a child. (laughs) <laughs> then, then KSM is an adult. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go on. I, I can do this with every scene in this movie. No, that's fine. He's sitting there sad on his birthday. Sad. He sad. wants his dad there on his birthday. Where's my dad? My scientist his dad. scientist dad. He's tr- I want to be a science a physicist man. physicist of some sort. Yeah. So all of a sudden his dad jumped, buster. <laughs> Bust through the door. Dad's home for his birthday. He's all excited. He's got a gift for him all wrapped up. He's like, That's oh, it's, it's a box. He's it's exciting. Like, he's, got, he's like, oh, here you go, son. Here. Okay. Like in sometimes in life, you got to go through something hard because in the future, it could play in the future somehow. Sure, whatever. you're special. You're special. special. Sometimes you got to go through hard things. Yeah. Here. Here's a box Here's with a, a box. door. There's a box with a door. It's hand-sized. It's Dune. <laughs> Put your hand in this door. It's it's. Don't it's worry. Doomed. It's your birthday. It's your birthday present. Put sure, your hand in. Sure. All of a sudden, <laughs> large, <laughs> giant clamping down noise. Bones crunching. Blood. 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 From his son. <laughs> from his son. His son who wanted him there yeah. on his birthday. Mm. He pulled his arm out and he's got this <laughs> giant bracelet clamped to his arm. That can't be removed that, ever. Can't ever Somehow. like yeah, it's made of an- adamantium. People or can't something. take it off. Bleeding profusely, his son. All of a sudden, <laughs> I'm sorry. This scene has stayed with me more than the power of the dog has, and that movie means something to me. <laughs> then his dad just leaves. Yep, forever, <laughs> forever, forever. Maybe. And later we find out his dad was murdered, so he didn't actually abandon him. But, but he thought he killed himself. So then he man, has all. Can can we talk about the plot twist of dad getting murdered? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and of course Do Rag Man is on Do-rag it. Do Rag was assigned to baby KSM to get him to the <laughs> this movie Clint. Also, <laughs> the way that he like um like thwarts their plan of sending all the rich people to the future. He sticks a tree in the time machine. Several trees. Several trees. <laughs> he loaded that Squiggly. thing quickly. With the most dramatic shot of a little, uh, a little, um, what do you call like those a things? Power loader cart thing, like wheelbarrow. It was power a really lo- dramatic crane yeah. shot of that. Uh, this uh, Clint, 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 Clint. Ken. This movie is so bad. Yeah. It's not even fun. Bad. It's not even enjoyable. Bad. It was. It was just. It's so boring. It really is. It's, he gets to the future and he sits around just outside of a door for probably ten minutes. Oh yeah, yeah. He's just yeah. sitting there like there's. <laughs> yeah. Like we said, we like subtlety in a movie. He's, he's got the little um. What do they call it, Archie? Yeah. Which is just what's its face from uh Squiggy from Quantum Leap. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> everything in this movie, I can't, that's why I can't believe I missed the 12 Monkeys thing, because everything in this movie is from something else. Yeah. Uh, even at the beginning, when when people are attacking other people to steal air, and then they've got some sort of injectable oxygen they use as drugs. And this, this whole thing is top to bottom a middle schooler's uh, chemistry book doodles. I also— It's it just— Yeah, uh, I liked also the moment where, like— 
the uh, scientists come to K- KSM and they're like, they kind of seem like they're arresting him. Yeah. And he's there with Durag. <laughs> I love that you keep calling him Durag. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he doesn't want to go with him. Yep. He's like, why are you taking me? And then Durag's like, hey, 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 maybe we should go and see what's going on here. Yeah. Let's, hey, let's go check it out. Let's it's go not, check it out. It doesn't sound that bad. Deal? What's the big deal? He's like, oh, what's yeah, clearly deal? Durag's in on this. What's the big deal? What's the, what's the big deal? I'm Durag. I was actually excited to talk about this movie. Yeah. And the reason I was excited is because I, I can make fun of any scene in this movie. But now I'm just depressed. <laughs> I, I don't even want to. It, it's 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 not even. You know, we've we've built a show here where every film has value, mm-hmm. and it, maybe it just doesn't have value to us. And so I want to say on this very special KSM Christmas, yeah, if you watch twenty sixty seven and you enjoy it, <laughs> there is something wrong with you. <laughs> go watch Twelve Monkeys. You're dumb. <laughs> just go watch Twelve Monkeys. Even go watch Quantum Leap. At least it's got Squiggy in it. Oh, man. Is it Squiggy, Ziggy? I don't know. I'm just repeating the things you said, like a parrot. Ziggy. I think it's Ziggy. Oh, Ziggy. No, that's a comic. Uh, Yeah, but I think it was the little computer in Quantum Leap, too. 2067, I I will say I got a lot accomplished on the Cinebabble Instagram page while Uh, watching it. Okay. I got a lot accomplished on some apps that uh, you know, a little gym drop and match games. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my cat, I got some quality time with my cat That's while good. KSM was hanging out in the jungle, staring at two bracelets, <laughs> um, trying to piece together how there are two and who shot me in the head. Can we was... talk about how this kid gets a bracelet at nine? Later, he's almost thirty, but this thing still has power. Yep, I how wish does it still have power. Well, also, I would I like. I get it's just one light, but still. The power, and I would also have loved to seen his arm grow around it like a tree. Yeah. Like, like yeah. there's this weird, just like, chunk. chunk in the middle of his arm. And if it was just a DNA test, spoiler, right? then what do you need the bracelet for? Just show up, and the little doorway thing is is at the science facility in the future. Yeah, it won't accept anyone's DNA but him. And it just does a little prick, and, and like, oh, look, my blood, and then it opens the door for you. Right. What is the bracelet other than pure... Child abuse. Yeah, just, just child abuse. And when did the birthday. father, who made that thing? And who put it in a box <laughs> so that it could be? But I mean, what are, <laughs> it's easier to wrap a gift if it's a box. But it's but it's not a cardboard box. It's not a shoe box that somebody cut a hole in and said, hey, kid, put your hand in here. It's like this fancy black and silver. Metal doors. Metal doors that fold in and who? made that box and who made maybe so it had a that, different purpose maybe it was like a rat trap that he like like just reused maybe i i just who made it who made the bracelet how did they even know to His have dad's a, bracelet? a scientist you know he, not a scientist did you notice even this nine-year-old kid <laughs> says science man that's right he says i want to grow up and be a science, science man. man if your child at nine years old ever looks at you and says, I want to grow up and be a science man. You look right back into your precious son or daughter's face, and you say, anybody that says science man— They would never be a science man. Never grow up to be a science man, okay? Never. Because if you at nine years old don't know the word scientist, you're not making it, kid, okay? You're an oxygen scrubber. In a post-apocalyptic future, no, he's whose best friend is Do Rag, and whose girlfriend is Necklace Lady. Well, 
I mean, he at least had the skills to work on like nuclear power like plan or something. Isn't that what his job was? Because that's what they do in the future too. It's <laughs> okay. The end. Yen <laughs> looking over a waterfall and magically seeing. <laughs> well, I guess we changed the the tides of history here. We now it's a magical uh, oasis. That he's still somehow there. He's still there. It's Why not. Didn't... Like, he should have Back to the Future faded, and then, but I guess he needed to see it. And what a wreck of a future civilization that was. Did you want to live in that future city? I want to live in that future city. It looked like Legos and <laughs> coffee stirs with some trees. It was bad, Clint. This movie. This movie. This movie. Cinetron done us wrong. It done us wrong. But he took us down the sma- the, pa- the path of KSM. So we had a merry don't jolly. Don't give Senatron credit for that. The that is my grandmother. Holly. My grandmother. A long, I don't know if I've but told this you this story, the, the spirit of KSM. No, I, I don't know if I told you this story, but a long time ago, my grandmother. Yeah. You may have said at the beginning of this podcast, actually. <laughs> she said to me, mm-hmm. anyway, uh, don't watch 2067. Just don't. No. And and if you were just like a movie cannot be that bad, uh, watch twenty sixty seven, and then tell your friends don't watch this movie. Just wow, it's boring. Like uh, top of the heap, it's boring. That's <sighs> the is. major it thing is. that's wrong with it. Like it is. It's a, a half an hour Twilight Zone episode stretched out into a. How long was this thing? It felt like forever. Maybe, I really started. It might and have stopped. been like two hours. <sighs> This is, this is easily the worst movie I've seen in a long, long time. And that's stacking up against The Predator, which you know my deep-seated yeah. hatred for The Predator. Um, and, and this was way worse than that. Yeah, The Predator is at least more entertainingly yeah. bad. Oh, I, I would watch Velocipaster again, <laughs> honestly, before I would watch this again. A Velocipaster, I watched in one sitting. That's a functional movie. <laughs> so I can sit down and I can think you're terrible, but I can watch you in one sitting. This thing, oh, let's, uh, I, I'm I'm losing faith in Sinatron, but let's give it a spin and let's uh, pray to our, our very special KSM Christmas that this spin is better than the last. I think I got a good one. After okay. 2067, I think I got a legitimately... Like a legit good one? I think Cinetron is like trying to make up for it. Okay. Okay. We're going to do Burning. Burning? Yes, from 2018. Is that the... Okay, this is the... With Steven Yeun? The Korean flick. The South Korean, yeah. Uh, vaguely, vaguely. I don't even think I've seen a trailer it's for it. on Netflix, I believe, or at least it was. Okay, yeah, it was It was selected as the um, um, South Korean entry for, like, best foreign language film. You're definitely, like, remembering the, that correctly, not reading it. <laughs> what are you talking about, Clint? 
I'm not reading I've, that. I've seen this movie, and honestly, it's fantastic. Okay. Um, and I think after our experience with um, Power of the Dog, this is yeah. another slow burn, subtle, okay. like, get to the end, and you kind of realize what's happening the hmm. whole time. Um it's fantastic. I, I just I know it received numerous other accolades and was included on like <laughs> several critics' top ten lists. Oh, really? It was for the year two, 2018, and uh-huh. notably like New York Times, this... Los Angeles Times, Associated Press. Mm-hmm. I'm not reading this. No, off the top of the dome. <laughs> just, um, I uh, this was definitely pan. on my <laughs> definitely on my favorite li- uh, from that year. Okay, or my list awesome. From that year. Burning. Uh, yes. Where where can I find this? Do you know offhand? Uh, as far as I I'm I watched it on Netflix, so okay. I'm hoping it'll still be on there. I think it might have been like probably. A, a Netflix really like you know exclusive deal, um, but yeah, it's probably like three dollars somewhere else if not. Okay, that's fine. I, I look forward to that. Uh, I know one of our next episodes. I don't know if it'll be the very next one. It might be uh, the one after that. We're gonna do kind of our our top ten of the year mm-hmm. and uh, just just kind of look back at at all the different things we've watched. I'm looking forward to that. But before we close out this very special KSM Christmas special, uh, I thought it would be fun uh, not to talk about fun Christmas movies, but to talk about some weird, dark, uh, sinister, ugly, bizarre, you name it, those Uh kind of Christmas movies. And so, Clint, I I know you've got a list of these. I've got a list of these. Uh, Let's let's give the people something that will just shake their their. I, I got nothing there. Just <laughs> some creepy. Horror. I was really. I was yeah. trying to build to something. I'm like, the brain's going to come up with it. It didn't. It's going to come up with it. Doesn't always. And work. then it passed out on a bathroom floor. <laughs> and his hands are all dirty. It was just wash them. Wife's, wash. You need to get up. Wife needs. You need to get up right now. Wife tells you to get like, up. I cannot get up. <sighs> Legs don't work. It was so I, I found the the end of my wife's love, which was a bathroom floor. <laughs> she cannot love me. And care for me on a bathroom floor. At least floor. you know that now. I do. I do. Yeah. Uh, I told her later, I was just like, next time I'll stumble out into the hallway and pass out. <laughs> that way, at least I get some care. Anyway, Clint, uh, what you got on your uh, your dark Christmas list? So, yeah, just enjoy this holiday season with some dark movies. Mm. So, um, my first is Krampus from 2015. Uh, did you know Krampus, uh, a director's cut, just came out? Really? Uh, on 4K or something. Yeah, I have it on oh. my Amazon wish list because I nice. want to pick it up and watch it. I love Krampus. Yeah, so good. Um, did you want me to just go through these real quick? Uh, we can do that or, or we can forth. take turns because Krampus is on my list okay, as well. Okay, you go next then. Okay. Um, uh, well, see, you threw me off because my next one was Krampus. Oh, I'm go sorry. ahead with your next one. <laughs> okay. Rare Exports from 2010. Clint, you're taking my list. I'm sorry. Your dark heart is as dark as mine. <laughs> I love Rare Exports. Tell the I think people. We watched that together. We did. But this is this is a little bit of a different one. Kind of kind of tell people what it's about. Uh, give them a give them a taste of uh, Rare Exports because it's. It's is a Scandinavian. What it, I think so. Yeah, yes, it's kind of like a weird, um, like backstory of where Santa comes from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I I, I uh, it's, it, it's it's very kind of mythical. Yeah, he's like a mythical um, being, beast, and and not not necessarily a benevolent one. Yeah, he he fulfills his function, but there's there's definitely some horror elements to this and. Um, it's it's kind of a small town running into uh, the magic of Christmas. Yeah. And not in the way you would expect. 
Uh, yeah, I love rare exports. Um, I think I still have a copy of that on my shelf. Uh, my my next one is Fat Man. Have you seen it with Mel Gibson? No, I haven't. It's great. Okay. It genuinely uh, it came out 2020, mid-pandemic, and uh, I'm not, you know, I don't want to get into the whole Mel Gibson thing. That's kind of why I haven't. And, and I totally <laughs> understand that. And if it's one of those things that, you know, somebody just can't deal with it, that's fine. Uh, I, I have this ability to just forget an actor's uh, personal life. Unless it involves children. So, like, Kevin Spacey right now, not working for me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, racism, I, I can just forget about that. <laughs> so, <laughs> You heard it first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Fat Man is just about uh, Santa uh, as played by Mel Gibson, who is much more of a, a practical magic user uh, whose business is in, in trouble. And uh, there's, there's some people gunning for him mm-hmm. and want to take him out because some kid – that didn't get a present he wants, hires a hitman. And uh, it's probably too dark for its own good. Yeah. It doesn't have as much fun as it, it probably should. Uh, but it's it's a watch, and it's it's genuinely good. I liked it, but it's it's a weird one <laughs> and definitely a fun one to watch. So uh, what else you got, Clint? Well, this is going back to our um, Halloween uh, episode, but Black Christmas. Oh, yeah, from 74. Yep. Uh, I, nope. I, I think a fantastic I, – obviously, I love that movie from how we talked about it. But, man, it's a great Christmas movie too. It's, it sets, the, sets all the feels, and it's got some shrills and screams too. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. That's a good one. Um, there's a there's a new one up. My next one is called Silent Night. Have you seen this floating around? I haven't seen it. It is. It's either free or just maybe up for rent on Amazon Prime. But I think it's free. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it stars um, Kira Knightley and or no, not Kira Knightley. Who was the one that played Ray in Star Wars? Oh, uh-huh. um, yeah, that yeah, girl. Ray. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that's her name now. Just her character name, Ray. Like uh, do rag. Any- <laughs> Uh, it's just about this couple that invites their closest friends over, and it's this nice Christmas dinner, and um, and and everything's just real festive. And then you start to realize uh, as the movie is progressing that they've gotten together. This is the last Christmas because the world is ending. Oh, I have seen the trailer and for this. It does look great. It's yeah. it's it's not great, uh, but it is it is yeah. pretty good, and I enjoyed it. Yeah. And it it tries. Um, it's it's in the same vein as Melancholia, but mm, okay. I didn't like that film. Uh-huh. This one I I enjoyed. I th- I thought this one had a, a little bit more wit, and uh, it was it was more clever mm-hmm. uh, with what it was trying to do. Uh, and it actually surprisingly works as a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Silent Night. Nice. Um, well, I'm going back to um, Edward Scissorhands. That's a Christmas movie. I forgot. You're yeah, right. Um, kind of like mildly undertones. It ends up Christmassy. But okay. um, yeah, that's a great movie. But uh, I want to just – I'll just go ahead and do my another one because okay. I don't have much to say about um, sure. scissor hands because what else is there to say? Um, but this one, I'm – honestly, this is just like nobody has said this is a Christmas movie. But this gives me – and like I, I don't want to say it's overtly Christmassy. Okay. Um, but um, – the Phantom Thread is to me is a Christmas okay. movie because the end like that scene where there are the New Year's uh, party. And so that makes me feel like there's sequent like parts of it that take place at Christmas. And mm-hmm. it ha- I just associate it with Christmas so heavily and like just the New Year season and this time of year. Um so 
maybe try watching that again with that in mind. Okay. And, and that's a really dark, weird movie. And okay. uh, it, yeah, I All love right. that movie. Right. I, I could have, for my next one, I could have gone with Die Hard. I could have gone with Gremlins. Uh, but instead, I dug deep. And uh, like you found a Christmas movie I did not realize at the time, I think, was a Christmas movie. But it's 100% a Christmas movie, Eyes Wide Shut. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> From Kubrick. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's uh, – that's one I, – I remember seeing it in theaters back in 99 or whenever it came out and not enjoying. But since, I've revisited and it's dark and twisted and by the end, oh, yeah. This is really a Christmas movie. It even ends with with them shopping for a Christmas present for the kids and uh-huh. maybe getting a divorce. I don't know. <laughs> but eyes wide shut. About as dark as it gets. Mm-hmm. What else you got, Clint? Well, this is one that I, I um, was just, you know, I was trying to go through a bunch of lists of like these kind of movies. Yeah. But I was just trying to like jog my memory. Uh-huh. And one that I totally forgot and – that um, kind of falls in this category is Kronos. That's a Christmas movie? Yeah, that was on a bunch of lists. I'm, oh, wow. I'm Maybe I, I need to revisit it to make, see if it's true um, because a bunch of people are saying it is. And uh, I was like, oh, okay. So I'm, uh, I'm going to go with that because I love that movie. Um, <laughs> so Kronos. Okay. That's, right. that's the end of my list. That Okay. Yeah. Uh, the end of my list is a classic 1988 film, uh, always one of my favorite dark Christmas movies, Scrooged. Oh, yeah. With Bill Murray, which mm-hmm. is a retelling of uh, Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, three ghosts visit a rich guy to, to make sure that – he goes and and takes care of his, one of his employees' kids, mm-hmm. and uh, but it's it's staged with like a, a very modern retelling. Um, it's a little manic when you go back and visit it. It feels a little dated, yeah, uh, because it's so so eighties. <laughs> it really is, but it's everybody's so loud and everything's yeah. so big, and yeah. and even Bill Murray's performance is almost Jim Carrey level at times. Yeah, but I love this movie. Yeah. Um, I had just seen it for the first time like last year. Oh wow, that yeah. would have how'd that work? Did it did it work at all or did it, it just no, it feel did. Just super because, dated? Just what well, it feels super dated, especially in the world of him being like this like hot businessman yeah. and just very that eighties world is very weird. Yeah. Um or the eighties world a version of that world is very strange. But uh my love of Bill Murray yeah. got me through it. Um and I I I enjoyed it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, see, I had just been – I realized later in life I had been watching an edited version uh, oh, really? in childhood. Oh, okay. And so when I finally yeah. came back to it in my 20s, I was like, oh, this is uh-huh. this is different than I remember. Yeah. This is different than what they aired on NBC or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but I've just – I've watched it, you know, probably every two years or so. Hmm. Uh, I wanted to find a, a way to squeeze The Muppets Christmas Carol into this somehow <laughs> uh, because you know my fondness yeah. for The Muppets Christmas Carol. I've already watched it four times this year uh, or wow. just this December. I actually watched it more <laughs> this year because I found myself over the pandemic just, I'm feeling sad, Muppets Christmas Carol. But it's July. Shut up, kid. Muppets <laughs> Christmas Carol. Um, so, yeah. I feel like you could put any version of Scrooge, like, or the, you know, Christmas Carol on, because that is a really, that's a kind of a dark, weird. It is. It is a very dark story. Did you ever see the one on FX with, with Guy Pierce? No, I never did. I need to watch that. It looked a little Doctor Who, but I was curious about it. And 
If it's Doctor Who, yeah, that's fine. It just I it like looked Doctor very Who. dark. It looked very yeah. It did. Uh, I don't know. I'll just give it a try. Uh, so I, I guess this is the end of our very special KSM Christmas. Mm-hmm. I hope that all of you um, feel the you know, spirit of KSM within you. Yeah, just you know, teach your kids about KSM on the shelf, and just <laughs> he sits up on your fireplace. And, he doesn't really uh, do anything. He just like looks down. Yeah, yeah, There's but nothing. Yeah, yeah, and you can you can hide little KSM ornaments in your tree, and whichever kid finds KSM first. Like there's Cody Cody Smith. Yeah, uh, they get an extra present. Um, there's just, there's so much you can do. There there are giant KSM inflatables at Lowe's and Home Depot. They're very put in your yard. yeah. They're very um, sharp. They are. They like they, they angular. Yeah, they're very angular <laughs> and like yeah. You just watch your eyes. Yeah, yeah, and and of course, uh, if you ever visit my house, you'll see my my KSM tree topper. It's just. It's most of the tree. Wow. It's big. It really is. It's life size. <laughs> it's like a human just sitting on top of your tree. <laughs> it's actually Cody Smith McPhee, um, who is Australian. I don't know why that detail had escaped me before uh, yeah. prepping for this episode, but yeah. would it change things? Yes. Oh, yes. It really would. <laughs> no, I then uh, just my brain launched into a whole. I want a reboot of what the Crocodile do- Dundee franchise, but starring Cody Smith. What have you done this whole thing in an accent? <laughs> no, okay. definitely not. I'm glad not. Definitely not with Australian. Yeah. I I might get if I read the Outback menu out loud. I can find an Australian accent, but I can't hold it. Will you say put a shrimp on the Barbie? Just. No. <laughs> Dang it. You're so I loaded close. it. Uh, yeah. You saw my mouth. Like, oh, I'm going to try really it. wanted to Put a shrimp on the. <laughs> wow. Worse than I thought it was going to be. Thank you. Shrimp on the Barbie. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do Australian Clint. Put a shrimp. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> Why do you keep saying it? <laughs> Kind of as a question. Because <laughs> I'm trying to do that thing where they, like, put us. <laughs> I can't do it. Anyway, uh, this has been uh, episode 44 of Cinebabble, a very special KSM Christmas. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening. You can find us on Instagram, cinebabblecast.com. And uh, we'll be back uh, here in a week or so, and uh, and we'll we'll have more for you. I know we're going to be watching the French Dispatch and some other uh, recent Maybe releases. Spencer. Maybe Spencer. Very excited about those. Uh, we're trying to kind of catch every movie before we get to our best of the year list, so that we have a, a full picture. So, uh, like I said, episode forty four. Thanks as always for listening, uh, Clint. Um, you can go put a shrimp on. <laughs> Merry KSM, Ken. Merry KSM, Clint. <laughs>